Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for. And done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face. And done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of What the Throne, the Weekly Collider Game of Thrones podcast. My name's Des Zen. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And uh, yes, there's a lot of big news for Game of Thrones. We actually had shot an episode earlier, like the day it happened. Unfortunately, I messed up and I messed up the audio for it. And so we had to reshoot this. I guess the silver lining for it is we've gotten some updated details on some of the stories. But uh, the one thing that we were saying was like through these last few months, you know, we've gotten some good news here and there. Uh, And what I mean by good, like just big pieces of news here and there where this past week was like three or four large pieces of news all kind of jumbled all together. And so uh, we're here to talk about that. Um, first up, the big, big news is, well, it's actually a twofold. It's the Game of Thrones prequel has been canceled. Not prequels, because there's like multiple. The one that was tentatively being called The Longest Night or Blood Moon, the one with Naomi Watts as the lead role, the one they already shot a pilot for. Yeah. And that we were waiting for... Uh, you know, a trailer or announcement of a, a premiere date, all that good stuff. You and me had like, you know, been kind of a little worried and speculated, like, why aren't they showing us anything, telling us anything? We just thought it was a big delay. They canceled it. And then on top of that, they basically greenlit. When we first did this episode, we were like, oh, okay, so they greenlit the pilot. It's like, no, it's going uh, direct to series now. And they have a name for it called House of the Dragon. And it's based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book. I mean, what did you think of the news of first the cancellation and then this greenlit series, straight to series? 
It's so interesting because you pointed out that, you know, you and I have spent quite some time since the show started being like, yeah, we're going to, they're going to talk about that here and here and here. Like there have been so many landmarks at different points where we thought an announcement could come. So it's nice to know that it's not just you and I who were going insane as Mm -hmm. this process of development has been happening. Um, I think it's, I think it's a bummer. Like, I'm not emotionally crushed by this. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a lot of material that I think would have been really, really interesting to explore. However, I think at one point we had as many as nine Game of Thrones spinoffs in development. Mm -hmm. And making television is incredibly hard. Making this podcast is hard, Mm -hmm. um, as we intimated at the top. So the fact that they got to the point where they shot a pilot and then it was scrapped. Um, I mean, I think it's sad, but I don't think it's a tragedy. It is weird, though, because we know that the original Game of Thrones show shot a pilot that wasn't well-liked, and then they reshot it. So it's kind of interesting to see that um, The Age of Heroes or Fire, you know, whatever the new show was going to be called, The Long Night, um, that they shot a pilot, didn't like it, and then scrapped it entirely. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because we had known that previous history with the original pilot, how they shot the whole thing, they didn't like it, they reshot about half of it, they recast major roles in Catelyn Stark and Daenerys, yeah. and cut out stuff, added stuff, and then they went to series. And so we figured if even if they didn't so much love, let's say, the pilot that was shot before, that they would kind of go back and... and um, you know, add things and change things just like they they do with the first one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they saw something. You know, we won't know until ten years after this when Naomi Watts talks about it, or one of the producers talks about it. But it will be interesting to kind of learn what they saw or what they didn't see because you know, Game of Thrones for for all the stuff that we're going to talk about today and people's opinions. Game of Thrones is huge. You know, it's it's a pop culture juggernaut so you would think that hbo would want to have some if they're going to be pursuing more content in that world that they would want to have it sooner than later yeah i mean you're you're talking about a world where walking dead now is going to have three shows on the air at the same time from the same yeah. universe yeah I mean, you have the regular walking dead you have fear the walking dead and they have another well, Arrow, one coming arrowverse just launched it's like a seventh show and announced that they're gonna at least Berlanti is going to be in charge of a Green Lantern show, which everyone thinks is going to spin out of the crossover. So, like, it's not unheard of to have whole franchises of shows running. Yeah. Um, the one thing I had speculated before was perhaps it was a financial resource decision. Mm-hmm. Because when I put out there, like, this news of, of both the cancellation and then also the, the Greenlit series... You know, obviously, you know, some people were happy with with the new House of uh, House of the Dragon series. Some people were sad that the the other one went away. And then, you know, some people were like, why why don't we have both? And I'm like, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. But I just don't think HBO is is, I don't know, going to put up the money for Mm -hmm. both series at the same time. So, yeah, that I think is a really interesting Uh, point that you had made the last time we were talking about (laughs) this is also not only that but the allocation of 
of resources, but I just don't mean even in a financial standpoint, mm -hmm. right? Because they're probably pulling from a lot of the same studios, a lot of the same talent pools in terms of uh, below the line type jobs. You know, the, the casting director is pulling their specific pool of performers. So maybe, you know, the axe came down and they had to pick one or the other. So they picked mm -hmm. the show that has dragons on it because Daenerys is arguably uh, the most popular character that came out of Game of Thrones. And it's also the show that has George R.R. R. Martin working mm -hmm. on it, you know? So it's hard to sort of deny that that might have been a factor. Yeah, and also it is a story. I mean, they, they kind of pulled, told both stories in um, the original Game of Thrones, but I think this story of the Targaryens and the conquest uh, of Westeros with dragons was kind of the one that, w that kind of caught people's eye more mm -hmm. or, or they caught their attention. They're like, Oh, I kind of would want to hear about this, that more or see something around that storyline. So I think, you know, people were speculating that the the one for the Long Night or Blood Moon or whatever it was going to be called, that it was almost a too far deviation from what Game of Thrones was. Yeah. Just because it was like at that point there, I think there were Starks, but they like they weren't going to focus heavily on them. Um, and there was, I think, no Lannisters, or at least Lannisters were a minor house at that time. Yes. I don't know, just a lot of different things that, I guess, people who are fans of the original series couldn't connect to. Yeah, and, you know, I guess it depends on what the strategy was, because sometimes it really works when you're doing a spinoff where you go not far afield, but there's only kind of vague references like i would say something like better call saul does that like better call saul could so easily have been the jesse pinkman show and we could have just continued the story in that way but we didn't um and that show succeeds because when it drops easter eggs to the original series they really pay off but if you didn't watch breaking bad like me then the show really really still sustains itself on its own mythology and it seems like hbo didn't have confidence that going anything other than here's a Stark, here's a Lannister, <laughs> here's a Greyjoy, here's a Targaryen, yeah. that, that they would have to be a little more obvious. And I know Game of Thrones is a much more expansive world. It's a much deeper mythology. And there is the complaint that people barely know the characters' names to begin with. But I think it would have been cool if we'd strayed a little further afield. Like the ancient history of Westeros, I think, is fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, also, some news that actually we didn't, get to hear the last time we we did this was that uh so it's george r, r. martin is like he co-created this and it's based on the fire and blood uh book that he had written um uh i guess uh colony writer and producer ryan condal is is going to be a showrunner but actually miguel sapachnik is going ah. the director of hard home battle of the bastards winds of winter those episodes is going to be a co-showrunner, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be a writer, but he's going to be a co-showrunner. And then I'm sure he'll direct uh, some of the episodes as well. well. He'll write, if he's a co-showrunner, he'll write okay. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I wonder if he's going to like co-write it with uh, Ryan Condal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Instead. 
Well, but, Ryan Condal's also very busy doing uh, Lord of the Rings and Lord of the Rings adjacent things. So yeah, yeah. He, he's doing just uh, fine. Yeah. So yeah, and they released a poster. I mean, it was basically the Targaryen symbol, but a you know a little bit different. It looked more like in I can't tell. It's like embossed in a almost metallic like something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And so, boss. for a for a 2D graphic, it looks yeah. embossed. <laughs> and, it's, and it says fire will rain. That's like the tagline for it. Do you think that's a do you think that's a title? I've seen a bunch of people who are like, that is gonna be called Fire Will Rain. And I was like, I nah, don't think so. Nah, I think it's House of the Dragon and then I think Fire Will Rain is the whatever the catch line you know you know how like every show has actually it's not even a show every season will have like their little catch yeah phrase or whatever um just like movies or whatever so uh yeah i i think that's interesting um i i hope one day we can see the prequel the the prequel pilot for the do you one think it's something that this. might uh make its way online at some point I hope so, but I haven't seen anything <laughs> about the original Game of Thrones pilot, though, you know? Yeah, there are people who claim that they have seen it and that you can get it in uh, corners of Reddit. I've never been able to find it, just like I've never been able to find the OG Lock and Key TV pilot from like five years ago. But that's also supposed to be floating around somewhere, so I don't know. We shall see. Yeah, I... The, It'd be the a great lock- extra feature to put on something. I remember watching the original Lock and Key pilot at Comic-Con when they showed it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was good. The only problem was the one episode covered the entire first book. Oh, really? So so I was like, that was really good. What are they going to do like as a television series when they just covered, like, I don't know how many volumes... Um, uh, lock and key has at this yeah. point but one whole book was the first episode so i was, I was a little like holy shit <laughs> it was very well done too i just you know i i just think it i think it was a tough sell you know yeah in terms i of- can't i really can't imagine Wow, watching the whole first. Anyway, I'm gonna yeah. get my head out of the uh, lock and key world and back in Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um. So that was the big news uh, coming out last week. But also, and this was like another headliner. That was like our original headliner was Benioff and Weiss. They left Star Wars. Yeah. The Star Wars they trilogy did. that they were supposed to do. Um, since the time that we had last spoke, there was actually some more details or like supposed insider stuff. So, all right, what do the insiders think they know? Tell me. They are saying that the reason why they left was what they were saying in exist in essence, where like, yeah, they were didn't have enough time basically to focus on the Star Wars trilogy Mm -hmm. and their new Netflix deal. But I think some of the more insidery stuff is has been saying that that um, after they signed that Netflix deal, Disney slash Lucasfilm slash Kathleen Kennedy got very nervous about that. 
and their commitment towards the Star Wars trilogy, basically thinking, okay, well now they have this Netflix deal they have to work on, so their their time and you know uh, focus is going to be kind of be split where she wanted you know them to be fully kind of committed or, or focused on the Star Wars trilogy, which apparently. Like I, I think I'd said this before, the speculation that was they were going to work on the Knights of Old Republic and you know the beginnings of the Jedi, which I thought would be cool because Knights of the Republic is one of my favorite uh, video games of all time. Um, but apparently, I think also Kathleen Kennedy wasn't like too keen on that idea either. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, it's, so I, um, it's really interesting because. I was definitely a big proponent of the conspiracy theory that uh, season eight turned out the way it did and was kind of protracted and had this really compressed schedule because Mm -hmm. of the demands of um, their work on Star Wars, because there were those uh, reports and rumors that Kathleen Kennedy had basically told them, you have to start by this point. It doesn't matter to me about your commitments of Game of Thrones. Obviously, there were other things on the Game of Thrones side that um, like people's contracts and how much they were asking to be paid mm-hmm. and things like that that uh required that we they compressed the show order but i definitely believe that star wars was a big part of that so mm-hmm. i think it's kind of interesting now that uh benioff and wife's have stepped away from star wars another sort of analysis or reading of the situation that i've seen is basically like star wars has been modern contemporary star wars this era of star wars that we are in right now has been accused of uh, meddling quite heavily from a mm-hmm. studio and an executive perspective um, on the creative side. And people who are creative think that's a bad thing. People who are executives think that's a good thing. And mm-hmm. so some of the readings that I've seen is basically like Star Wars is back on its nonsense. And that's why they left is because of the amount of oversight that they were facing, which it seems like when they were making Game of Thrones, they had a pretty significant freedoms because HBO doesn't run like a network. Um, no showrunners typically write most of the scripts there's not a writer's room uh the writers who they do bring in are people like their assistants or there are writers that they want to highlight so it's it's an atypical production environment and star wars is run by the giantest studio that ever studioed so it ever in the history of cinema i mean truly uh monopoly what so it's it stands to reason that it would be a very different experience i'm sure the truth of the situation of course is somewhere in the middle and it's it's much more complicated than that but i do think it's a real bummer because we know that they do fantasy slash fictionalized history very well and you mentioned that knights of the old republic was something that you were really looking forward to it's something that i would have looked forward to and you know there's kind of five star wars movies everyone wanted is boba fett um obi-wan kenobi knights of the old republic so the idea that we got so close with such a capable team um, and, it, and it wound up not happening for whatever reason is a bummer. But something that we did discuss um, the last time we were chatting about this topic is that just because it's not happening now yeah. doesn't mean it won't happen down the line um, under the auspices or helmed by someone else. Or it doesn't mean that, you know, Benioff and Weiss might not circle back to that at some point so not all hope is lost (laughs) yeah i think uh i don't know if it's kathleen kennedy or someone from lucasfilm had had left the door open for them to come back like yeah 
and and maybe because maybe if Kathleen Kennedy is not that keen on a Knights of the Republic, maybe that that won't get pushed first, and maybe they'll just wait yeah. till they're ready to come back and do it. And because with all these kind of non Skywalker uh, trilogy movies. You can set them in any time period, so it doesn't really matter when they come out, right? Like, yeah, if a Knights of the Republic trilogy comes out, let's say next year or ten years from now, it doesn't really affect Star Wars as a whole because it's something completely separated from what what the mainstream kind of audience expects from Star Wars, right? Everyone expects Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, and now you have. Uh, Kylo Ren and Ray and um, Finn, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the because not everyone is into, especially the casual fans aren't really into all the the side things, right? Like the books and the comic books and whatnot and the video games, and so they they just kind of only watch the trilogy movies. Yeah, which is also, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms that we can get into mm-hmm. about whether or not you should have to engage with all of the tie-in material in order to fully appreciate, you know, da 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 on and on and on. Uh, however, I do... I do think there's a good chance that we will get some version of Knights of the Old Republic at mm-hmm. some point. Uh, I ju- you know, just whether or not it's to anyone's taste sort of becomes the question, and it's too bad because... Uh, you know, it seemed like it was in really good hands. Are you, if they hadn't been doing Knights of the Old Republic, if they had been doing something else, would you have been, uh, would you have been bummed still when they walked away? Or, you know, when they were forced to step away? Yeah, yeah, because this kind of will lead into our last and final uh, topic, which also was going to be a headlining topic. But, you know, we got four headlining topics in, in one week. When it uh, rains, Dennis, when it rains. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Benioff and Weiss went to the Austin Film Festival and had a Game of Thrones panel, and they were, uh, you know, asked a lot of questions. Obviously, there's a lot. they were very eloquent and erudite. I thought they gave a great interview. And, and they were, you know, you know, obviously season eight was a, is a, a season, a very divisive season, right? Yes. Uh, and so... People were asking them questions and they were answering them. And the funny thing is, is it was really through the lens of, of, I know some, uh, I forgot what the name of that Twitter account was that was tweeting a live tweet of it before people could like listen to it or watch it. And they, 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 they had it through the lens of like, oh, Game of Thrones is a piece of crap and it's because of these two. And everything that they said, they were like taking great offense to. And yeah, you know, a lot of the stuff they said one was very innocent, self-deprecating, and three stuff we already knew. Like the biggest thing that like I love that people are going crazy over is like they didn't have any TV experience and they got to do this show. And it was like we knew that. I remember watching the behind-the-scenes stuff like from like season one or two. And they said that they're like, they didn't, I mean, they have other experience. I mean, they've written stuff for, for movies and whatnot. They've been in the entertainment. They didn't walk off the street and, um, and get, pick up this job. Right. Which is sort of the most hilarious reading of it, because of course, if it's your first show that you're show running, 
you're not going to know how to run a show. The first day you work at Starbucks, you don't know how to work at a Starbucks. And look, working at Starbucks is complicated, girl. I know that. Uh, this is a uh, that interview. They give two interviews, right? There's the written interview, and then there's the yeah. sort of the Austin TV Fest yeah, that yeah. Uh, was live tweeted that everyone lost their. Mind. I really recommend people go listen to it. I I think it's a really wonderful interview. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I think they come across quite eloquent. I think they come across quite well. Um, but it, it's really more of an admitting of like, yeah, like we learned on the fly. It was really hard. Yeah. We're really proud of what we we did. And I think it's so unfortunate that that kind of um, honesty, because any of us would have, Dennis and I would have that same, uh, uh, you know, feeling if we were suddenly the ones thrust into making blood and fire, cross your fingers, that that happened yeah, for yeah. us. Um, and it's so interesting because this also um, launched this tweet threads. Uh, there was a woman who works in television who has a Twitter account. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but she had a breakdown of like, I've worked in TV for this many years. I've worked with this many white mm-hmm. guys, this many white women, this many African-Americans, this many Asian people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the number is staggeringly white men because that's mm-hmm. th- that was the industry standard for so long. We're just now starting to see um, – people making shows where they are representative and vice yeah. vice versa. So anyway, um, then the Benioff and Weiss stuff was piled into this discussion mm-hmm. where she was sort of making this a uh, very eloquent, again, a very timely observation of how the industry is changing, but how it needs to continue to change. And then of course they lumped in Benioff and Weiss as examples of people who got a position that they didn't deserve. And we have forgotten that they were approved by George R. R. Martin. There's a very famous story, which I'm sure is now slightly anachronized, that they went to him. He asked who Jon Snow's mother was. They knew, so they got his blessing, and that's why they're the mm. people who made the show. Uh, you know, whether or not he was the the he was where the buck stopped, or it was HBO. He was a pretty significant part of choosing them. So they were obviously invested in the source material. They're not complete idiots. I'm sure they made lots of boneheaded decisions on TV because that happens all the time. You know, and I'm sure you look back on something with with hindsight but the hindsight that's cropped up around game of thrones is so interesting because the discussion that dennis is talking about that spooled off all these other threads has sort of turned the history into well we never liked any game of thrones anyway we forget how important the show is culturally how important it is to the genre how important it is to television storytelling how important it is to pop culture like this is one of the most important and impactful television shows ever made you could not like it i fell off in season five when it got a little too uh ramsey bolton for me Mm -hmm. that's okay we don't have to like everything to recognize their value and the fact that usually with more geography on something you come to appreciate it more or you understand or you make your peace with it because sometimes things aren't bad they're just not for you and that's a Mm -hmm. really hard distinction to make but it's so disappointing to me as a fan that now it's like, well, we never liked Game of Thrones, yeah, and yeah. I never was, bought those pop finals, and I never all, dressed up as Arya for Halloween. Yeah, it was all a piece of crap, and these guys, yeah. these two guys, suck. So we didn't like the last season. So every season sucked, and every and they were talking about learning the job. Guess what? That's what happens. And two, uh, actually, there's multiple things. One was what your point, which we discussed before, was. This retroactive, like, oh, all of Game of Thrones has sucked, you know, since day one, right? Because these yeah. two guys did nothing, which is completely wrong. Uh, because, yes, they took George R. R. Martin's source material, which is obviously a great place to start. But they built on top of that, and he, they made it foretell. There's a, there's adaptation. Have you ever watched 
a movie or a television show that was adapted from something else and it completely sucked. You know what I mean? It takes skill to adapt stuff. Look, obviously it's, you know, with a great source material, you can you can pull from things and, and, and it gives you a leg up, but it's not it's not a turnkey system. And then second thing is people like, and I always mention this because Game of Thrones was not a big show. Until like season three. <laughs> season three, season four is like, really it was like the Red Wedding was like the thing yeah. that like really blew it up. Um, people forget when this show started, it had like, I think the premiere had like 1.7 million viewers or something like that. It was very Look, which low. Is, we would be so happy to have. <laughs> of course. Of course. No. But what I'm saying is in the context of his, yeah. the shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was very low. It was not, it was one of those shows that was like, Oh, well, who knows how many seasons this show's going to get. The only thing was that people loved it. And then, so the viewership started growing and growing and became a phenomenon. So when they got handed this show, it wasn't like they took Star Wars, which is already an established giant franchise, uh, and just handed it to them. They handed it to them after eight seasons of Game of Thrones, the most popular exactly. television show. So it's, 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 I don't know, this retroactive changing of people's opinions and perspectives, is, is, it bothers me a lot. And, it's, and we're, we're not, before people get too out of hand, we're not saying that your opinion on something can't change. No. But to let it's not to 180 let, though. Yeah, to let what you know what what you might perceive as one bad apple spoil the bunch. I think that's unfortunate, and I think that ro- you're robbing yourself of the joy that you had. Yeah. And I think it's not. I think it's also not fair to the people who worked really hard on the show, which was something that we found so delightful about that documentary is that the people who made Game of Thrones for the most part, and every job is a job at the end of the day, um, were really invested in it. Nobody set out to ruin your particular experience because John and Danny didn't get married and have a baby and wind up like ruling Westeros together. I'm sorry if that's what you wanted. It was never going to happen. Or even anything like, like we've said before, like it's not like we thought season eight was like the perfect season or, or no. the, it was the weakest season in my opinion. But I, I did enjoy but it. It wasn't of bad. From, yeah. And I still enjoyed a lot of things from it. Did I want Bran to end up on the throne? No, that's not <laughs> what I wanted. But that's what was written. And, and you know, that was from George. I'm sure that was from George R. R. Martin. Um, and I so, think so. I, th- I think all the stuff, all the major plot points were, were from him. And then they just kind of had to figure out how they were going to get there right mm-hmm. um and maybe you don't like how the, the way they got there that's fine or you don't like the decisions that were made that's totally that's fine, fine as well um but i don't know just retroactively going back well i didn't like eight so guess what one two three four five six seven all sucked or whatever you know yeah like, i think we're just hoping that if you don't we're not asking you not to not like something but like take it easy and also <laughs> also just remember stop you know, it's 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 it maybe it's like that mob mentality, right? It's like ah, everyone's yeah. hopping on this thing. Everyone's saying Game of Thrones sucks now. I'm I'm joining that. You know what I mean? It's like really. Yeah. I bet you if we go back and find your tweets from uh, the last few years, it was like raving and ranting about how awesome Game of Thrones was. 
I know it's like, do I need to pull my receipts? Because unless you have a bot that went back and erased a bunch of your tweet history, I'm pretty sure I have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was my thing. That 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 actually upset me the most, uh, more more than the cancellation uh, of the prequel. Even though I, I did want to see that. Well, isn't it weird to be like, you know, these two guys are millionaires. They've got these great deals. They're doing okay, but. I really do feel that need to like defend their honor sometimes mm-hmm. when people really like go it, because if it, it, for me it feels like this is like unprovoked criticism as opposed to um you know thoughtfully well managed criticism because that's what criticism is. criticism is supposed to be something thoughtful it's like giving a note it's not just hating yeah. on someone yeah yeah it's, it's like a criticism of of the of what they did and whatever and and so they're just bringing back these these things that really were all widely known it's just you the people that are getting outraged bet you weren't hardcore Game of thrones fans in the beginning because if you had no if you were you would have known these things already that they did not have TV experience. And of course they learned on the job. That's yeah. what happens. And oh, I think this is another point I think uh, we talked about on the now uh, gone uh, now episode. <laughs> episode is what do you think is happening with Marvel movies? Those directors that go in there, a lot of the ones they pick have no experience whatsoever in big blockbuster budget filmmaking. I believe you had what, brought up Ryan Coogler as an example. Yeah. Yes, so Ryan Coogler had done Fruitvale Station, which was a fantastic film, very uh, small indie film with uh, Michael B. Jordan. And then he did a slightly bigger film in Creed. It's a franchise film, but it was much more of an indie feel to it and definitely a step up from Fruitvale Station, but nowhere near what you're talking about for these Marvel movies, what Black Panther was, right? And the thing is, Marvel has a system in place with, tons of like their marketing machines all ready to go they have all the like production designers music like everything's all set they they're just looking for a uh, creative vision from a director yeah right? and so they pick these guys i mean look at uh what's the director's name is it john watts that did spider-man far from home yes he, yeah, yeah. He did homecoming and far from home before he did that those two movies he did Top like a uh, pop car which I okay. saw and was great, but it's literally shot on a car in a field. It's not what Spider-Man is. Exactly. So don't give me this bullshit from like, oh, well, they didn't have experience. Like, so they can't do this show. It's like one, like I said, Game of Thrones, while yeah, relatively large, was not huge in the beginning. And two, this happens all the time. Yeah, it does. And that's the interesting thing kind of about all of this news in terms of like things being canceled, things being replaced. It is part and parcel of what happens with this industry. So even though it is disappointing, uh, maybe it's even startling. I don't think any of this is like huge cause for concern. So before everyone, I know we've whipped you all up into a frenzy on the podcast today, but don't panic. You don't have to put your head between your knees. Mm -hmm. It will come and it will go, and we will all be fine for it. Okay, for example, uh, Birds of Prey come out with uh, with Margot Robbie. And that movie happened in real Harley fast. Quinn. <laughs> Harley Quinn. Guess what? The director, uh, Kathy Yan, has directed. What did she direct before that? One movie. Yeah. Dead Pigs, which yeah. nobody has ever heard of. It's on Amazon. She, I watched it. She 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 did three short films and one 
movie that I'm sure the budget was, uh, I don't know, one tenth the size of of what Birds of Prey. You know what I mean? And so this 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 does happen. It's it's more of whether or not the studios have like the mechanisms in place to basically get someone who they think is talented enough and and, and they feel has the vision to do something like this. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and there's plenty more. I mean, that's it's kind of the new thing, right? It's just kind of getting uh, what they believe to be talented, younger up and coming directors and putting them into these large blockbuster films. Right. Because that's, you know, I have mixed feelings about that um, model to begin with. I will admit where yeah. people are plucked with what seems like little to no experience. However, it, it it often pans out. So it's the world that we live in. And I think to expect any different would be childish, but to try and react um, in a measured way is yeah. perhaps the healthiest. Yeah. Well, and also, and just standing, you know, yes, there are positives to that, negatives to that, but to, to make it sound like it's not, an industry standard, standard, yeah. yeah, standard practice right now is, is uh, yeah, a little, a little naive. So, all right, I think that's it for this Woo! episode. Uh, Did you hit the record button? Oh no, yes, can I, I ask you what? Can I ask you one yeah, more yeah, thing, Dennis? Yeah. What's uh? Let's do book book watch. How you doing? How you doing on the books? Where am I at? Oh, can't. Uh... I forgot to ask you in the last episode, which is why it clearly self-immolated, because we got to do book watch. <laughs> okay, I am where. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Tyrion is at Winterfell, and he, you know, gets a kind of hostile greeting by uh, Rob Stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just very yeah. Uh, similar to to the show but just condensed right like that whole scene in the book at least the audiobook i'm listening to was a good like 20 minutes and it's like that was like a two minute scene three minute scene you know where he gives him the designs for the horse so that brand can ride um i think i mentioned this before and that i learned that nan was related to hodor yes isn't that cool yeah she's uh, definitely that... like low-key a witch yeah something uh i i love the uh the whoever they hired to play the actress in the in the show yeah she just had a, such a cool voice when she started telling those the stories to bran i bet that was i bet the interview was just uh or the audition was just come in and okay you're gonna tell us a story and yeah. uh we'll see how this goes yeah um ned is like starting to delve into the whole uh john aaron death murder basically a little more yeah he's he's delving into that peter baelish is helping him kind of sort of at that point uh but so far not i'm trying to think not not anything major deviations from 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 the show just more condensed versions I think you'll find as you uh, in fifteen hundred years when you get into the next few books that that's yeah. where there's a little more deviation. The first and the second book, in my opinion, are the closest. Okay, it's interesting, but yeah, 
I'd like to see where it goes from there because I do know that that Rob Stark does not marry the same girl. Like I guess there's that whole storyline of meeting a doctor oh, from different Volantis. Yes, yeah, is not there at all. And no, then, she... if it, and there she's still alive too, right? Yep. Like she had like she never came with him to the red wedding and all that stuff. No, yeah, and she is a completely different character, and she's a northerner, but like a lowland, like a, a lowly, and yeah. Yeah, that was a for me. That was a very strange change. Mm-hmm. That um, I'll admit, I I didn't necessarily see the need for that actress, um, who I foresaw in Sherlock could just as easily have played the character from the book. But I'm gonna put a pin in that to talk about. When yeah, I have there. to watch it and see. I I did enjoy it from uh, from the television perspective. She's, just she's because, a great actress. Yeah, not just her, but just like the idea of this him being distracted mm-hmm. like when he like he was in a very important time to you know be focused on getting revenge like he lo- he was trying to get revenge for his father to get independence for the north and basically all these hundreds and thousands of men were basically under him right and then yeah he kind of lost focus and all his focus went to being in love you know and so i thought that was very interesting in the television i don't know if that happens in the book or not uh it does but also you'll notice in the book that they go out of their way a little bit more to talk about their ages so like rob is about 15 16 when that whole thing is happening so it feels very much like you know the first time you fall in love with someone in high school and you want to like close the door and yeah, make yeah, out yeah. with that like yeah, it yeah. feels like it's that impulse um that ultimately drives his affection for this girl like he kind of knows that the honorable thing to do is to marry her because of how they've been spending their time together um and it's kind of a, a real moment where he shows how much like Ned he really is because <laughs> in my opinion uh Rob is much more of a Catelyn he's much more of a Tully and John is much more classically Ned yeah um whereas in the show they're obviously about a decade older <laughs> for mm-hmm. ease of production if nothing else so they have much more of like a human connection much more of like a respect between them yeah but all it's right. the, it's all good cool, cool. all right so that's it for this episode. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Tweet at us. Let us know your thoughts on prequel being canceled, the other prequel getting greenlit, Benioff and Weiss exiting Star Wars, Benioff and Weiss's, you know, uh, interview slash panel that they got to basically crapped on from the internet for. So, yeah. all right, guys. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V Robinson. The V is very important. And it's November now. So from November 1st to November 30th, Jason and I are running the Jawin Comic Drive for service members. We're collecting 15,000 comic books to be donated to service members overseas recovering in hospitals and their families back home. So go to comicdriveforservicemembers.com for all the details. And please help us raise 15,000 comics. Thank you. Oh, and you guys can find me on Twitter at Think Hero, Instagram, Dennis.TZNG. Subscribe to this YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Collider Videos, and subscribe to the Collider Factory podcast feed. Uh, until next week, see you guys later. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that?
the breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets. And there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year. And you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com today. See site for details.